Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information about Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia. Well, good afternoon. This is Cynthia Hyatt. I'm very glad that you joined me. And today we are going to be talking about value because many of us do not feel valued, nor do we feel valuable. And so last week we talked about having the best year ever and how to position ourselves with intention for this new year. So one of the things that is imperative in that is we talked about our internal world and how we manage that. Well, internally, I want to make sure that you all understand your value and that you feel it and that you experience it. Because much of the way that we're going to have that great year and have God's best is that we are understanding our own value and that we don't fall into the, the lie of the world that talks about what our value is versus how God really sees value. And so if we look at what does value mean, well, determining, it's the determining or the value of anything. It's, it's its estimated worth. That's what value means. Um, it's the quality of a thing that makes it more or less desirable. It's a thing or a quality having intrinsic worth. It's to value or think highly of. Um, placing certain estimate of worth onto something, that's value or valuing. And so when we see how valuable we are to God, we see that he sees us as great worth. We, We are worth much to him. And he paid a high price to purchase us because he values us. And so what's interesting when we look at the world and the way it works and Satan, we see that what Satan did was he had great value with God when he was when he was Lucifer, when he had this, he was very valuable to God. And when he rejected God, he didn't lose relationship with God. He didn't lose his value. He did lose intimacy. See, Satan devalued himself in the way that he responded and acted, still does. But God still sees him as valuable because God still uses him to even show more of his goodness and perfection and glory and his kindness and his patience. It's just that Satan is no longer able to experience God's goodness. And so when, when God creates things, they are of value to him. And so sadly, Satan changed the relationship that he had with God. But he is still, he is still used, he's still valuable. And so what you want to think about is he, he is now using the world as this great arena to confuse our value and to cause us to think our value is only about what we do. See, God values us because of who we are. And God valued his relationship with Lucifer until he fell. And then what he values is what he created Lucifer to do. But he doesn't love him and have relationship and intimacy with him. So our value has everything to do with who we are. And then who we are is manifested many times by what we do. If we get it backwards and we think our value is about what we do, then every day we're going to wake up wondering if I'm going to be valuable today because I don't know if I'm going to be perfect and everyone's going to like me today. So my value isn't about what I do. 
It is about who I, who I am. And we're going to look further about understanding that. So what we want to think about is who establishes value? Well, the owner, the creator, the purchaser, or the committed. This is who, who establishes the value of whatever it is that they own. And so how is value established? Well, we establish value through hard work, time, and effort. So when I put effort into something, it's because I value it. When I give it time, it's because I value it. When I work hard, I put action into it. It's because I value. And so we see how God feels about us because he puts a lot of time into us and effort, and he does actions toward us because we're extremely valuable to him. So in other words, feelings and words are not enough. Where, where would the why God values me, and what does God do to affirm and originate that, where my value originates from? And so what we want to think about is this idea that when the, the origination of our value is imperative that we understand this, because otherwise I'm going to go back to old ways of establishing value, which is by what I do. And so when we look at value and we understand that it's intrinsic, there's an intrinsic value in something. What that means is that it's belonging to the nature of it. It's inherent in it. So being made in the image of God instills value. It means I have intrinsic value, that just because of me, I'm valuable. And it doesn't have anything to do with what I do because God establishes my value because I belong to him. But even when we didn't belong to him or choose him, he still loved us and died for us. He still valued his creation, even when we didn't know him. And this is the proof of our inherent value. And so I want you to think about things that are valuable to you. And they may not be valuable to other people. And so it's important that I understand that the owner is the one that establishes my value. And I can't get that value established by other people because they don't own me. And so it's important that I recognize those, those very imperative, those very um, important boundaries that I have. So let's look at something like if any of you have children and they've made artwork for you. Think of how valuable that is to you because it's from the, the person that you love that you value, and it's a creation that's come from them. And so what you want to think about, it, when, when I talk about value to people, I like to use the example of a $100 bill. And so I say to them, if, you, if I had $100 and I gave it to you, would you want it? And they say, well, of course, it's $100. I say, well, what if I crumpled it up? It's $100. Well, what if I spit on it? Well, I could probably clean it up. What if it's ripped in half? I'd even keep that half hoping I found the other half so I could attach it. That's how valuable that $100 bill is. Well, what if, what if the $100 bill was used um, in a strip club? Well, it's still $100. What if I found it in a dumpster? I'd probably put surgical gloves on and get a stick and try to get that thing out of the dumpster because it's so valuable. See, that's how God feels about us. He will, go, he will go to the, the, the bottom of a dumpster and pull us out because of our value. Our value doesn't change from where we go or what, we, what we're used for or what we've done or where we've been or how dirty we are or how crumpled up we are or how torn up we are. The value doesn't change. It's inherent. It's intrinsic. So why do I feel this need to increase or defend or establish my own value? Well, this is part of the world's system. The world wants to, us to buy into this lie that I can somehow increase or decrease my value. 
because that is the way that the world works. It is, un, it is conditional, and it is about all that control. And so what God is saying to you is, you can't increase or decrease your value. I made you. I bought you. You belong to me. You have inherent intrinsic value to me. So what God is wanting is to make sure that we don't sell our soul and try to get our value established from somebody that can't even establish that value because they don't own us. They haven't bought, they haven't bought and paid for us. And even if they have in any kind of way, ultimately we go home to God. And that is where we come from. That is where we emanate from. So if God has established it, he decided it, he's committed to it, and was willing to purchase us with his only son, so why do I still feel the need to prove or defend my worth and value? And that has a lot to do with when we talk about relationships. In relationships with mistake-making humans, sinful humans that are all working on their own process, we get devalued in those relationships. And devaluing occurs in many ways. It can occur emotionally if I'm not, uh, my feelings aren't respected, if, uh, if, if my, um, my talents aren't, aren't noticed. I can be devalued by neglect, by abandonment, by being ignored. I can be devalued by abuse that, that happens to me. I can be devalued by not being seen. That somebody doesn't really get me. They don't really know me. And these are all the ways that the world devalues each other and how we devalue one another in our relationships. And as, as you listen to these shows, one of the reasons I do these shows is that we are really trying to change the world one person at a time. And if I can work on not devaluing myself, I'm going to be better able to not devalue you and to not pass that on to you. So what happens that we believe this lie? Well, the lie is that we think sin decreases my value. And what God is saying, again, like that $100 bill, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how dirty you are. It doesn't matter how ripped up, crumpled up, torn up. It doesn't matter what you've been used for you're still $100. And so what happens with, with this issue of, of sin is this is what causes me to lose my uniqueness, and I become like what I am not. So if I believe this lie that I'm working on making myself valuable versus being who I am, then what happens is I get into this, this incredible rat race with lots of anxiety, lots of depression that comes, and I also am going to have a much more difficult time with relationship because I'm going to be afraid to be known because I'm going to think that if you know me, you'll start to find out I'm really not worth knowing. And so since the fall of man, we continuously fail to turn to God for the truth about who we are and, for, and, and, and what our worth is. Instead, we view what we do, what we accomplish, what others think of us as an indicator of our own value and worth. And so God doesn't want to get rid of my uniqueness. He created me this way for a reason. He likes who I am. He doesn't want me conforming to the world to get value. So Christ-likeness is about transforming my character, not my personality or my identity. It's not transforming who I am. It's returning me to that original creation. So with that $100, we're cleaning it up. We're not changing the way the money looks. We're not changing... Um, how it's created. We, we are restoring the original way that it was made, not adding or decreasing value. And so when you're thinking about yourself, you're saying, I need to go to God for the truth about my value so that I understand how devaluation occurs 
that feeling of devaluation. Because that's what I don't want to pass on to others in my relationships. And I, I don't want to let the world determine for me whether or not every day I wake up I'm a valuable human being. And so if I am looking for that externally, it's going to be hit or miss. And, and the more I'm with people that are locked into the world system of you're only as good as what you do or how I think about you or how I feel about you, then I'm going to get into that anxious performance-oriented trap where now I'm only as good as what I do. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk more about the truth of our value and where our value comes from. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are talking about value and guaranteed value. Because many of us oftentimes do not feel valuable or we don't feel valued. And so what we're wanting to look at is how we can make sure that we are getting our value or understanding our value from the creator, not from the world around us. Because the world is going to lie to us. And the world is going to tell us that our value is simply based on what we do, how we look, who we know, what we own, how smart we are, whatever that, whatever that is that they are attributing as valuable to them. If we buy into that, then they're going to be determining our worth and our value. Whenever we get into that kind of an issue, we are now allowing a lot of power for the external world in determining whether or not I am worth anything. And whether my value is, is going to be recognized. And so what we talked about is this feeling of the, the lie is that sin decreases our value. And what God says very emphatically is sin has nothing to do with my value. has everything to do with my relationship. The more sin, the more difficult intimacy is. It isn't about whether or not I'm valuable. And so the truth is that sin increases my feelings of separation. But sin does not alter my status or my position. And what Satan is always wanting you to believe is that you can fall from your position like he did. But we are, we are God's children. So the only fall that occurs with us is in the issue of intimacy. It isn't whether or not we are valued, whether we are wanted, whether we are approved of. It has everything to do with how much we get to enjoy God, how much we get to enjoy others. So what happens is if I believe this lie that I can increase or decrease my own value, then I'm going to feel compelled to regain my value and or that sense of worth. And so can you imagine a $100 bill working to be $100? How ridiculous is that? It doesn't do anything to be $100. It's simply $100, and that's what it's worth. So it doesn't increase or decrease itself at all. So if I do this, if I get in this position, this rat race, this gerbil wheel of, oh, my gosh, I just messed up. I have to, like, get myself back on top, or I have to regain that value that I lost, then what happens is I'm now in conflict and I'm at enmity with God. I'm also going to be at enmity and conflict with myself and others. When I perceive this loss of value and I feel compelled to regain it, the only way I know how to do this is through hum- that a human being has is through works. So when we get in this trap that God doesn't even want us in to begin with, we then feel compelled to do our own human works to get that value back. And so my way to feel valuable 
is by what I do or how I look or how others perceive me. So I get this little formula that says others' opinions plus my performance equals my value. I'll say that again. Others' opinions, my performance equals my value. This is the world's way. And this is going to cause us tremendous amounts of hurt, desperation, anxiety, depression, feelings of futility, and exhaustion. See, if I choose to believe that lie from the enemy, that this actually works, then I'm going to exalt men over my creator. See, man's opinion is going to be more important to me because I have now given them the ability to determine my value. So this ushers in further influences from Satan and other perversions. I mean, you can think of many. So if I actually think that I or others can increase or decrease my value, I have now introduced all kinds of pride, control, power, and idolatry into my life. Because we are not to fear mortal man. They are not the ones that determine whether or not we live or die eternally. And they are not the ones that created us. And they are not the ones we go back to when we die. And they are not the ones that died for us. So that we could live with them eternally. So make no mistake, performance-oriented behaviors, they certainly have consequence. And, and they many times can have very good consequence in the moment. And they can have lasting wonderful consequences. I'm all for good behaviors. I'm all for success and being the best version that you can be. But if I'm doing all those things because I have this inside sinking feeling that I'm not very valuable and I have to keep regaining it and establishing it every day, then I've now given away what belongs to God to the world. So what happens is I then, I then am into works versus salvation. And so even though in my head I might know that I'm saved, in my soul, in that emotional, psychological part of me, I get anxious thinking, I'm, gonna, I'm messing it up. I'm messing up with God. I'm messing up with the world. I'm messing up with people. And if I don't hurry and get my act together, I'll be a loser. Okay, these are, these are statements that are about me, not about my behaviors. Because we can all have mistakes and we can all have successes, but they don't have anything to do with our value. So we then remove grace and we think we can be good enough to be in relationship with somebody or good enough to be in relationship with God. And so now we again care more about what man thinks than God. So we have Galatians 1.10. It says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so the performance behaviors need to be toward God because of my love for him and because I want to be who he created me to be, not because I'm trying to get approval from him. If I then even go horizontally and now I'm doing all those behaviors and all those works to get approval from men and I'm not even focusing on my relationship with God, I have now exalted man over God. And so the world system, which is of performance-oriented behavior, it really never works. If we engage in this system, like I said, we become very weary, discouraged, exhausted. And then we end up on this treadmill that has us running away from ourselves and God. And then we run to worldly things we think will fix that pain. And as a result, we end up bumping into others trying to do the same thing. Now we have pain with everyone. So this does not mean that we don't need to practice self-discipline or holy living. It simply means we cannot attribute any success we have over sin as increasing our value. Because value is intrinsic. It's static. So God exposes us to this conflict in Romans 9.20. When we start believing the world, 
And we then ironically go back to our creator for the solution. And so God is saying, it's by grace you've been saved, through faith, not yourselves. It's a gift, not of works. And he's saying this because we're worth saving. We're valuable to him. So in Romans 7, we see how this, this conflict of, I know I'm not being what God is wanting me to be. And so that's, a, that's an okay struggle to have that. We want to let God do the good work he started in us and struggle against those things that cause us not to be who we are. But we are never to look at these behaviors as something that tells us we are not now valuable. So God's way to feel valuable again is repentance and reconciliation. And we are coming up on a break And we are going to continue in this idea of guaranteed value and understanding where my value comes. Because when I am resting in value, knowing how valuable I am, I'm going to manage my behaviors much better. My relationships with others are going to be far more successful. I'm going to have much more meaning and hope and vision for my life because it won't be about me doing works to try to make my, my world work because I'm not feeling like I'm measuring up and I'm giving my power away to others around me and not giving my will to God. So it's imperative that when we look at value, we understand our value is intrinsic. It is valid. We are valued by God. He establishes value and we don't want to give that to mortal men. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment while we continue this idea about guaranteed value. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking about your guaranteed value. And that we are to understand that our value cannot be increased or decreased by anything that we do. That what we do is oftentimes how we may devalue the way we feel. We may seemingly devalue ourselves, but in God's eyes, we can't remove any value. He's established it. And he's the one that created us. He's the one that owns us. And he's the one that establishes that value. And we are not to give that value to other people or let them determine what our value is. And so we talked about this idea of performance-oriented behavior, which you may have heard that term before. And that's when I get stuck in this idea that my value is about what I do. So I'm only as good as what I do. I'm only as good as what people think about me. And when I get in that, that, on that treadmill, I'm going to have a lot of exhaustion. And so what we want to understand is that these feelings of not feeling valuable have a lot to do with, I'm not happy with my own behavior. I'm not happy with how someone's treating me. I've I've received abuse from someone. Um, We can devalue each other many times by the way we interact um, on a feeling basis. Do we respect people's feelings? Do we respect their opinions? And, And a lot of the devaluing happens in these relationships. And so we feel like we have less value because we've been devalued. But what we want to establish is the fact that this value cannot be changed. And we talked about that idea of a $100 bill. doesn't matter where it's been, what it's been used for, how dirty it is, crumpled up it is. It's still worth $100. And so what God is doing is wanting our behaviors to really match authentically who we are. And so we're not using behaviors to regain 
value. So one of the things that, that God does to help us feel valuable versus, you know, giving us more value, he knows that we need to feel valuable. And so one of the ways we do that is through repentance and reconciliation. So if I have devalued myself with another person or with God, then I'm going to repent for that and I'm going to reconcile. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to change behaviors. But I'm not going to ever let my mind tell my soul, my head tell my heart, that I'm now valuable again, that I've somehow reestablished my value. What I've done is I'm feeling valuable because I'm matching my worth. And, and so I'm experiencing that. So it's important that if I'm choosing to believe this truth regarding my value, many times we have this hard time. I get the concept, Cynthia, but I don't know how to feel it. And so we're making sure that we're repenting and reconciling where we can. But then we also have to to reposition our minds and accept and realize I cannot regain what I've not lost. I can't can't regain value if I've never lost value. So I can feel devalued, like $100 can feel gross because it's dirty, but it doesn't mean it's like $99 now because it has somebody spit on it. What we're trying to say to ourselves is, I am going to accept God at his word that he values me, and he's done behaviors to show me that, and he puts time into me to show me my value. So God never stopped valuing Adam and Eve. We have to realize that when they sinned, they never lost their value. He didn't say, well, now they're second-class citizens. He said, I got to make a new plan for these valuable creatures of mine that I don't want to lose. And so it's, it's this step of faith that I believe. And we see that Abraham, he believed. So if I'm choosing this, I'm accepting, I'm realizing I cannot regain what I haven't lost. And I'm taking the step of faith. And so what I'm doing then is I'm realizing that, again, feelings, like we've talked before, are very real, but they are not necessarily true. So when I'm feeling devalued and yucky and gross and disgusting, and I'm not worth anything, I'm going to use my mind, which is getting right with God and having that faith in what he tells me. I'm going to say to myself, these feelings are real, but they are not necessarily true. Because God's truth is that I am very precious, very, very valuable. And so we see this in John fifteen thirteen, where where God says, greater love has no one than this, than he lay his life down for his friends. Jesus laid his life down because of our value to him, having nothing to do with our behavior. So the, the Lord's entire ministry is that of redemption and reconciliation, because he wants us to enjoy relationship. Because remember, this is where the devaluing, where we feel devalued or we devalue others. It doesn't mean that the value is lost. It means that the intimacy is lost. The relationship is there, but the intimacy, the enjoyment, the closeness, the connection cannot be there if we are feeling devalued and acting in that way or if we are devaluing others. So we want to remind ourselves again, feelings are very real. They're not always true. So I can feel unvaluable. I can feel devalued. I can feel less than, but it doesn't make it true because God establishes value and he has shown us that through his word and through Christ's behavior, the level of value that we have. We are not to give our soul to the world and let the world determine our worth and value. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again for the last segment as we talk about your guaranteed value.
Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me again. This is the last segment of this show about your guaranteed value. And so we're really wanting to talk about and integrate this this concept, this idea, this truth, God-given truth, that your value is established by God and it is not able to be increased or decreased. The world is wanting to give you this idea, this lie, that you can somehow increase or decrease your value. So what we want to understand is that what sin does is causes me to feel devalued, causes me to feel less valuable. But God says, you can't decrease your value. I've established it. And so we talked about this idea of, you know, if, if a child of yours creates this wonderful little painting for you, the world may not value it, but it is incredibly valuable to you, no matter what level of artistry is being expressed. Because that you're the one that establishes the value. Well, God establishes the value of us because we came from him and he has bought us and paid for us with a very high price and he puts effort into us. And that's how we know there is value. So our sin causes us to feel less valuable and our sin can affect relationship because it affects intimacy. So one of God's ways to quote unquote feel valuable again is this idea of repentance and reconciliation. And so in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to, to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. So what we're seeing is that our sin doesn't cause God to value us less. But in the world's eyes, we can somehow increase or decrease by what we do. So the world says you're only as good as what you do, how you look, what you own, who you know, these external things. And God is saying, no, your value is intrinsic. It cannot be changed. And so the way to feel it is that I'm repenting and reconciling with God because when I feel that closeness, that connection, I I then again am able to experience my value versus just knowing it in my head. And so I'm choosing to believe God's truth regarding my value. And so we talked about this idea that feelings are very real, but not always true. So I want to position my heart and my mind in God's truth and not necessarily in how I feel, because if I'm feeling unvaluable or devalued or unworthy, or I'm feeling like a loser, then I many times, many times my behaviors are going to follow that. I'm going to act like that. And then I'm going to increase this idea that I'm somehow losing value. So I'm using my head, I'm using my intellect to say to myself, you know, I can feel like I'm, I'm, I've lost value, I'm not worth much anymore, but that is not the truth. My sin is creating those feelings. It isn't establishing a truth. So what, we just say, I just believe I'm valuable? Well, basically, yes. Now, simple doesn't mean easy. So how do I comprehend, understand, and take in the truth that I'm valuable? How, how do I move this from my head to my heart? Well, the key word is acceptance. See, I accept that God values me regardless of my behavior. I accept that God values me even if I don't feel it, comprehend it, or understand it. We all believe Jesus is the Son of God, died for our sins. We have, we have access to the Father. We're going to be with him for eternity. We accept that truth. 
And and actually, that truth is that's a that's a big one to accept. So somehow we can accept that truth, but we can't accept the truth that we're so valuable and loved by God, and that we can't do anything to mess that up. Somehow that truth we're not able to integrate as well. Well, the truth about who Jesus is that's about Him. We can believe that, but the truth about how loved I am that's about me, and that's more difficult. And so it's a step of faith. You must believe. And so belief and faith are not always feelings. They can be, they're a position of my mind. They can be seen in my actions. And they can, they're a part of the, the step of faith that I take, that I'm believing what I can't feel and believing what I can't see. I'm taking God at his word. If he says he's God, if Jesus is God, he says that he lives in me, then I'm going to ask him to help me with that faith, with that belief. That I can believe and I can have faith, but I don't necessarily always feel it. So we accept and we realize, I cannot regain what I have not lost. God never stopped valuing Adam and Eve. So if I take this step of faith and I believe, then what we're going to do is we're going to understand this idea that our feelings are going to war with us. But we need to see that the Lord's entire ministry that is that of redemption and reconciliation so that he can enjoy relationship with us. So our sin causes us to feel less valuable. I don't even know if unvaluable is a word. I have to think about that. Less valuable. Our sin causes that, but that doesn't establish the truth. And so the idea in this idea of this, this whole doctrine of, of redemption is we say that there's this paying this ransom with the blood of Christ. He's removing the curse of the law. And he's releasing us from the bondage of sin so that we can, we can enter into grace. So what God is saying is, you have incurred a great debt with me, but I have all the money in the world. I can forgive the debt of your sin. I own everything. And so we walk in that forgiveness, understanding that our value gets, we, those, those less valuable feelings have to do with how bad we feel about ourselves has nothing to do with how God feels about us. So when we're looking at this whole idea of value, how do I walk out my value? Well, one of the ways I'm walking out my value is I'm telling myself the truth and I'm wanting to do relationships well. So the more that I value myself, the more I'm going to value other people. And so if I accept God's grace with this whole idea of redemption and forgiveness is the only way to be authentic and honest and truly intimate with, with God, then I'm going to also understand that I do this with, with other individuals as well. So the grace that God has given me, I give to others. And I recognize that when they are acting poorly, when they are devaluing me, that has everything to do with how they feel about them. Because the more valued they feel, the more value they are going to give to me. And so as we are walking through this whole idea that we can't lose, we can't regain what we haven't lost. We're going to say to ourselves, how can I be a good risk in relationship? How can I do that? How can I do that effectively? Well, one of the things that we talk repeatedly about on this show is managing my internal world and how I think about myself. And how I think about myself has a lot to do with how I treat myself. And how I treat myself has a lot to do with how I treat others. So when I am dealing with this whole idea of guaranteed value, I'm accepting and integrating the love that God has for me and the grace and the forgiveness and the reconciliation that he's given me. 
and I'm going to then give that to others. And so one of the ways that I do relationship well, that I cause people to feel valued, is I give them empathy in that relationship. And empathy means I want, I want to put myself in their position and say, you know, I wonder what's going on in their world. And I'm, I'm looking into their world to understand how they are acting, how they are thinking, how they are responding. And I'm looking at them through the eyes of love. And I'm giving them grace and kindness and mercy. It doesn't mean that I accept bad behavior. And I will confront when confrontation needs to occur. But I'm going to always be wanting to think about the struggle that this person may be having. Because I'm one of the struggling individuals myself. And if I treat someone in a devaluing way, that's usually because I'm not in a good place with me. So I'm going to use empathy. I'm going to use respect. And the verses that can go with respect are Proverbs 17.9 and John 15.14 show you this. This respect is I'm respecting their ideas. I'm respecting their opinions. I'm respecting their feelings. I'm respecting the way that they do their life. And one of, one of the hardest things that I have to say many times to people in therapy is, Everybody has a right to screw up their life, and I need to respect that. And it means that I have good boundaries, and it means that I don't get into codependent issues. But when I'm respecting the fact that somebody has the right to do their life the way they are doing it, I also am, it's imperative I don't judge that. That really is God's problem. I judge the behavior as to how it affects me, how, how it affects others, and the boundaries that I may need to set. But that is their right. God gave them their life, and they are allowed to spend it however they want. And so I respect that. doesn't mean I like it. doesn't mean I'm happy about it. I could, it. It's a tragedy oftentimes. But that's part of being a safe person in relationship is the respect I have for another's life. And I'm going to be honest. Honesty is a very important issue if I'm going to have healthy relationships. Now, honesty is a difficult one because many times we don't feel safe to be honest. And so that's part of living an authentic life is that I'm understanding that my value comes from God and nothing that I'm going to tell this person, nothing that I have done in my past has anything to do with my worth and value. It may have some to do with a level of intimacy that I have with someone and intimacy can be gained, intimacy can be lost. But intimacy is regained with repentance and reconciliation. And so I'm going to practice honesty also with wisdom. Because we know that God says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, we want to make sure that when we're telling people the truth, that it is actually going to edify them, that it is actually going to give some freedom, and that it is delivered in a timely manner, and it is delivered with love. And so when we see Adam and Eve got some truth about when they, they ate from the knowledge of good and evil, but it was truth too soon. And so it didn't give them freedom. In fact, it gave them bondage. So when we're being honest in relationship, we want to practice healthy honesty and not just speaking whatever it is that we're thinking or feeling at the time. And we're going to use timeliness and we're going to use objectivity. We're going to also use empathy when we are being honest. And we're going to also communicate. And I need to work on my communication skills. And when I am expressing feelings, how I can appropriately communicate my feelings. And we've talked in previous shows about communication when I'm using the when you I feel. So if I'm telling somebody the truth about them, I will say, when you buy me flowers, I feel loved. When you are chronically late, I feel devalued. So I am practicing telling the truth with healthy communication skills. 
And so we see how important communication is because we have the whole entire Bible of how God communicates with us. And then he sends the Holy Spirit as well. And then he talks through other people. This is how important communication is. And we see that humans need to talk. This is the way that we're made. And when Jesus became, when God became human and was Jesus, he needed to talk. He talked with his friends. He talked about how he felt toward his friends, whether he was discouraged, frustrated with them, happy with them, encouraging them. And he also talked to God. So it's imperative that we are willing to communicate and that we are willing to talk about our internal world. That is what causes that valuing in relationship. So I also may need to do confrontation. And the confrontations also need to be done always in love. And they need to be done with truth. And so confrontations are intended to either set boundaries, create freedom, to stop unhealthy or destructive behaviors. Confrontations are also intended to redirect. Maybe something's going in the wrong direction. And so we have to understand what confrontation is for, and we have to use confrontation with love. So we are always caring when we are confronting. And then we want to have shared values. If I want to have true intimacy, I need to have some shared values with people. And so if I want true intimacy with God, I need to value what he values. And I need to share his value system, which is less sin. And that always helps me enjoy my relationship with God more. So it's imperative that you understand that your value is established by God and it's established because of his love for you and that you belong to him. And your value cannot be increased or decreased. That feeling of devaluing usually usually has to do with my sin and whether or not I'm behaving in a manner that causes me to feel valuable. So don't forget, again, next week we'll be back, but this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And always remember this week, you're guaranteed value. ...has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program... You can hear a replay anytime at kpxq1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ.